Taiwan reported 26 imported COVID cases and six local infections on Monday. All six local infections can be traced back to workers at Taoyuan's International Airport. One of them is connected to an airport cleaner. Two others are luggage cart handlers at the airport. The remaining three are linked to a luggage cart handler who was diagnosed last week. In related news, a toddler diagnosed last week has tested positive for Omicron, becoming the first child in Taiwan to be infected with the variant. The CECC announced six local infections on Monday. One is the child of a member of Italian Social Club. The other five are airport workers and their contacts. Two are workers at the airport who manage luggage carts. In our contact tracing efforts, we found that one of the new cases, case number 17503, is connected to case number 17473 from two days ago. They took a car together to work every day with another two people, four people in the car. Previously, a member of the Golden Voice Social Club was found to have been infected by an airport cleaner. That member's sister was later diagnosed COVID positive. On Monday, that member's daughter was announced as a new case. Two other local cases announced Monday were luggage cart handlers at the airport. The remaining three were connected to another luggage cart handler diagnosed last week, who previously infected his wife. On Monday, the couple's son and their son's classmate were confirmed to be infected. A friend of the luggage cart handler's wife was also diagnosed. Health Minister Chen Shizhong said the government was working to determine who infected whom. Comparing the CT value of each isn't very meaningful, but comparing the genetic sequences of the viruses is. In addition to conducting genetic sequencing, we may look at the date they develop symptoms and what symptoms they have. That way, we have a more complete picture of the infection. Right now, all the information is like separate pieces. It's very hard to tell who infected whom. So far, four baggage cart handlers have been diagnosed with COVID. Two of them commuted to work together. Officials are still determining whether they were infected because of their shared commute. In related news, genetic sequencing results have come out for a one-year-old in the airport cluster. The child is the first in Taiwan confirmed to have the Omicron variant. Tests are underway to determine whether the genetic sequence is similar to previous cases. Genetic sequencing is still underway to determine whether the toddler's Omicron strain is identical to any previously detected cases, with local cases slowly ticking up. Health officials say the next two weeks are a crucial window of opportunity for containing the outbreak. Due to an Omicron surge, the CCC is tightening its testing rules for international arrivals. Starting Tuesday, all travelers on long-haul flights will no longer be allowed to leave the airport until they get the result of their post-arrival COVID test. If their test comes back negative, they will be permitted to continue customs clearance. If it comes back positive, they will be immediately sent to a hospital. Let's hear from the CCC. The quarantine measures for long-haul passengers will be tightened starting midnight tomorrow. Enforcement will be based on flight schedule times. The targets of this policy are passengers on long-haul flights from locations such as Europe, the Americas, the Middle East, New Zealand and Australia. 
After arriving in Taiwan, travelers will receive a publicly funded COVID test, a rapid nucleic acid test. If a test comes back positive, the traveler will complete the entry procedures and related inspections directly at the boarding area. The traveler and all the traveler's luggage will be directed to another exit that's used for emergency patients. The traveler will not go into the arrivals area at all, but will instead go downstairs directly to an ambulance for transport to a hospital. On Monday, the CECC announced that it will remove 10 countries from its list of key high-risk countries. The countries removed include South Africa, Egypt and Nigeria. After they are dropped from the list, arrivals from those countries will no longer be able to stay at a quarantine center at public expense. They will need to pay for their own room and board at a quarantine center or a quarantine hotel. In response to the Omicron threat, the CCC has tightened its mask mandate nationwide. From January 9th to 24th, face masks are once again required at the entire time a person is outside the home except when eating or drinking. Masks must be worn when jogging, giving a speech, posing for a photo, and even singing karaoke. He sings his heart out, even with a mask on. Due to a surge in local COVID cases, the CECC has tightened its mask mandate for outside the home. The transmission of sound and the conveyance of emotion is slightly affected. But if because of the epidemic, because of changes in the epidemic, there is a need to wear masks, singers like myself will cooperate. The impact on us is tremendous. It's very great. Because there are many consumers who would be unwilling to come if they had to wear a mask. In response to the global Omicron threat, the CECC extended its Level 2 alert to January 24th but tightened its national mask mandate. Face masks are now required when singing karaoke, exercising, posing for photos, hosting programs, reporting and giving speeches. Early Monday morning, the crowd is thin at the track. In line with the CECC's new regulations, each jogger is wearing a face mask. Not a few have complaints about the discomfort. It's inconvenient. No one likes exercising with a mask on. Going back to wearing a mask is really difficult, but joggers should be able to get used to this again quickly. And I hope that the epidemic will be contained as soon as possible. On Monday, the CECC ordered masks to be worn at all times during religious gatherings. Regarding the wearing of masks, people who hold religious office must wear a mask through the entire duration of preaching or presiding over religious ceremonies. Except during meals, masks must be worn at all times during religious activities. As for the taking of meals, table-by-table table toasts are not permitted at dinner parties and banquets. As for environmental maintenance, we hope that venues will enforce proper social distancing. With Omicron spreading, the CECC is tightening its pandemic restrictions. It's restored a strict national mask mandate in hopes of curbing the virus before it spirals out of control. People in northern Taiwan are rushing to book third doses because of a rise in local Omicron cases. Taipei City opened its vaccine appointment system on Monday, and all 108,000 available slots were booked in three hours. The city plans to add seven medium-scale vaccination stations next week and to reopen its booking system this Friday. In New Taipei City, one hospital served 660 people at its COVID vaccine clinic. About 90% of those people were getting their third dose. Let's hear from a hospital supervisor. 
上个星期六有开放了预约，总共有七千个名额。那在当天五个小时内，七千个名额就全部预约结束。Bookings opened last Saturday. There were 7,000 slots in total. That day, within five hours, all 7,000 appointments were booked. A total of 13,000 vaccine doses have been allocated to Far Eastern Memorial Hospital. At present, all of them are booked. If more vaccines arrive today, we will open up new appointments. On Monday, the CCC announced it will reactivate its own online vaccine booking platform. So far, Taiwan's vaccination rate is 80.26% for first dose coverage and 70.9% for second dose. About 0.08% of people have received an additional primary dose, and another 1.44% have received a booster. In a small town in Taidong County, a parade of monkeys has kept locals intrigued. These monkeys are dropped off one by one at the door of the town veterinarian. Fearing foul play, one citizen reported the mystery to local authorities. The explanation might surprise you. Early in the morning, there's a macaque in the cage outside this veterinary hospital. The vet hasn't opened for business, and already there's a customer at the door. Locals on their way to work slow their footsteps to investigate the macaque. For most of them, it's a curious sight, but one that they've seen before. I have seen all manner of animals, including very strange animals. I have seen a cow and a very large lizard. It even escaped and gave me a big fright. This vet is known far and wide, and it caters to all kinds of animal friends. But recently, residents have noticed more and more macaques appearing at its doors. Fearing foul play, one citizen filed a report to the Taitung County government and was informed that there was a spay and neuter operation underway. Whether it's male or female, we catch them to be desexed. Since we started doing this five or six years ago, we have desexed nearly 400 male and female monkeys. Monkeys stretch out their hands, begging for a bite to eat. Monkeys loaf on the road, fearless in the face of man and beast. Six years ago, the Taidong Forest District Office launched a spay and neuter program for macaques to control the soaring population. Animals are trapped and sent to veterinarians for desexing. They're usually not seen by locals, but one trapping organization recently changed up its protocol dropping off monkeys directly at the door instead of waiting for the vet to open. There are many monkeys surrounding Taiyuan Valley's Dunxuan Bridge and Jibin's Yongnan Bridge. Monkeys carry the bee virus, which can be passed from animals to humans. So we're asking the public not to feed the monkeys. Officials warn that macaques carry pathogens that can jump to humans, and so it's illegal to feed the monkeys. Violators will be fined 5,000 to 10,000 NT in accordance with Taidong County's wildlife protection ordinances. Tianliao Moon World is a stretch of barren land in a far-flung Kaohsiung township, but it's got much more than meets the eye. Thanks to its range of mud volcanoes, locals have been able to cook up creative cuisine like mud volcano chicken and mud-sealed fresh fish. Sound odd? Let's stop by for a taste test. Feast your eyes on this black rock and prepare to be surprised by the culinary secrets hidden inside. They take up the mallet and give it a few good wraps. Then the service staff takes it from there. Lo and behold, there's a free-range chicken inside. This is Tianliao's original mud volcano barbecue chicken. This dish is a very therapeutic experience because you can crack the volcanic mud off its surface. 
Its meat is very soft and tender. The meat falls right off the bone when you pick it up. The seasoning is very fragrant. Tianliao Moon World is a unique badland biome. It's got a smattering of mud volcanoes that spray black mud. Locals use the mud to concoct creative cuisine, dishes like mud volcano chicken and fresh fish sealed in mud to lock in the freshness. Just a dash of seasoning makes it scrumptious. Another must-eat is Tianliao's smoked lamb. This is black goat, slow-roasted at 85 degrees for four to six hours. Here on this barren land in Kaohsiung, a unique food culture has taken root. On its dark and destitute soil, beautiful flowers are able to bloom. It's these flowers that are behind the region's award-winning Longan honey. It's the only brand of honey in Kaohsiung that's certified traceable by the Council of Agriculture. Whether you go to Tianliao for the cuisine or the scenery, don't forget to stop by the visitor center, which is stocked with high-quality agricultural products. With so much to see and so much to do, it's no wonder Tianliao is a top tourist draw. TPP candidate Lin Jingyi has won the race for Taizong's second legislative constituency. In Sunday's election, she defeated her KMT opponent, Yan Kuanheng, by about 8,000 votes. Both candidates thanked their supporters on Monday. Yan said he would continue to work on Taizong's behalf, committing himself to social welfare and youth employment. Lin heralded an, an era of positive change for her constituency. Having won the vote for Taizong's second constituency, Lin Jingyi set off on a thank you tour from a temple in Dadu. In each of the five districts in her constituency, Lin won more votes than her opponent, Yan Guanheng. Overall, she came out on top with 88,752 votes against Yan's 80,912. This is the second time that Yan has lost an election in the constituency. The past two elections weren't about breaking up this political force or that political force. The main thing was bravely choosing someone who could bring about change. Taizong's second constituency deserves respect, and it deserves better. It deserves to have more people working together on its behalf. For the sake of Taiwan's democracy, local politics and local development, let us join hands and work together. On election night on Sunday, Lin was joined by members of the DPP, as well as ousted Taiwan State Building Party lawmaker Chen Bowei and other party members. She said that in the local elections at the end of the year, she would reach out to the Taiwan State Building Party and maintain a friendly, cooperative relationship. My next step is to see what Bo Wei and the Taiwan State Building Party had planned for Taizong. After assessing that, I will build my team. The KMT candidate lost to Lin by just 7,840 votes. In the wake of his defeat by a narrow margin, yet is still considered a contender for the 2024 legislative election. At such a difficult juncture, to have more than 80,000 neighbors supporting us through all this is extremely touching. In the future, I will continue to throw myself into social welfare and youth employment. I will be here for anything you need. We'll continue working hard. The Green Camp has won back its seat in the legislature, raising hopes among supporters that political change is in the air. A strong challenge could come in the upcoming local elections if KMT Mayor Liu Shouyan runs for a second term. 
Independent lawmaker Freddie Lim thanked his supporters in Taipei on Monday after surviving a recall election against him the day before. It was a close call for the lawmaker who represents the Zhongzhen Wanhua constituency. There were 10,000 more votes in favor of his recall than against, but the motion failed because the number of yes votes was not high enough to meet the legal requirement. Independent lawmaker Freddie Lim survived a recall vote on Sunday. The next day, he swept the streets to thank his supporters. Some waved to him as he passed by. One pedestrian held up a campaign flag to show support. But Lim had barely survived Sunday's election. Nearly 55,000 people voted in favor of his recall, while roughly 43,500 voted against. The recall had failed only because less than 25 percent of eligible voters had voted in favor. In Sunday's election, less than half of Lim's supporters in the 2020 election had turned out to vote in his defense. If we spend too much talking about those numbers, I think we'll just end up with more politicking and various maneuvers. There will be too much of that, so I don't think there's a need to dwell on the numbers. <laughs> On Lim's first day back at work, DPP lawmaker Chen Tingfei expressed her congratulations. Lim told reporters what it's been like at home. Over this period, my daughter kept asking me what was happening. She wanted to know why I wasn't spending as much time with her. So now that I'm going to have more time to be with her, she's very happy. On Monday, the initiator of the recall campaign, Taipei Councillor Zhong Xiaoping, also hit the streets of Wanhua to thank voters. He blamed the KMT's Taipei office director for the failure of the recall motion. Huang Lü has to step down. The number one criminal in this is Huang Lü Jinru. Eric Chu originally was going to campaign with me, did you know that? But Huang Lü Jinru threatened to resign as committee head in the city if Chu and I campaigned together. Eric Chu had his reasons, but Huang Lü was the one causing trouble. The curtain has come down on the recall campaign against Lim, but the outcome could have far-reaching ramifications for Lim as well as the KMT. A Michelin-starred restaurant in Taipei has launched a new menu of authentic indigenous Taiwanese cuisine. The dishes are all based on traditional Taidong recipes and use the best Taidong and Hualien ingredients, from fresh mahi-mahi to mountain herbs. Could this be Taiwan's new old culinary future? The chef breaks pieces of dough into the pot, where they simmer with marbled meat. These traditional indigenous dumplings are about to appear on the menu of a Michelin star restaurant. Nearby, another chef is cutting open a two-kilogram mahi-mahi. Slices of raw sashimi are rolled up like flower blossoms and bathed in a chili dip that takes two weeks to pickle. This is quite an unusual way of eating it. You can only find this in indigenous tribes. It's not like normal sashimi, it's a little al dente. Now you can taste the cuisine of Taiwan's indigenous people in the capital, thanks to collaboration between a village restaurant in Taidong and this Taipei Michelin star eatery. The menu uses fresh ingredients from Hualien and Taidong in its authentic indigenous dishes, such as shell ginger leaves, pigeon peas, and red quinoa. Every dish tells a story. There were no frills back in the day. We just fried up some pig fat, boiled the wheat dumplings in glutinous rice wine, and added the garlic chives we grew ourselves. 
Through this exchange, we hope we can show everyone that there are more possibilities in local and sustainable food. Many ingredients here are taken from extending local Taidong ingredients and getting creative with them. As one authentic dish after another land on the table in front of you, the cultural history of Taiwan's indigenous people is also in the spotlight. The face of housing is changing in Taiwan, with not just land and property prices rising, but also due to changing social values. For many young people, working and renting for many years is now the norm. That's driven up demand for new types of co-living arrangements. Let's take a visit to a shared housing complex in Taipei's Wenshan district, where residents share facilities and spaces, creating a temporary home in the urban jungle. Hello. Stepping inside this apartment block, you're immediately greeted by a co-working space. Residents with their laptops are immersed in their work. In the shared kitchen, you can heat up food, brew coffee, or avail yourself of the washing machines. Residents can also use the podcast recording room free of charge. Every Thursday evening, there's a free yoga class taught by one of the residents. Colorful drawings on the walls were made by housemates who get a discount on the rent for contributing to the shared facilities. We've got a lot of students, company employees, but also freelancers living here. Everyone comes in and gets to know each other because we hold regular community events, or sometimes we link up with other communities outside. It feels a bit like an organized dating event or something. People can search for freelance jobs and get to know each other. Renovating this 41-year-old veterans dorm in Wenshan district was no mean feat. But after two years and 50 million NT, it opened as a shared housing community in March 2021. Since then, occupancy rates have been around 80%. There are lots of shared spaces. You can make friends and share everyday life. Normally, renting means just finding a place to stay and moving in. But what's different about here is it has some value added. Those extras are what attracts residents, despite the considerable monthly rent of more than 10,000 NT. House prices continue to climb nationwide, so for young people who can't afford their own home, alternatives like this can be the next best thing.